What's up, everybody? This is Daniel Atondo. I'm the lead pastor at Eden Church, and we're so excited that you've joined us on the Eden Podcast. The next 30 minutes, we hope, will add value to your life, deepen your connections to others, but most importantly, we want to help you grow in your faith. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. It was my first year of college. I was part of a church. It was a great church, and I was going to this Bible study. It was a great Bible study, good people, but there was a sense in which I felt like we had been invited to the party, but no one had ever really asked us to dance. I learned that phrase this, this week, getting invited to the party. Have you guys ever been invited to a party and no one asked you to dance, right? It's kind of fun for a little bit, but you're not really doing anything. And that was kind of how we felt. Me and my buddies who were on the wrestling team, we would go to this Bible study, but we never really felt deeply connected to the people that were involved. And then one day, it all changed. We got the invitation to Pastor Mark's house. The college pastor invited us over for a little get-together. It was a little dinner event. We would eat some food, and then we would play some games. And, and we were so excited. This was a big deal for me and my best friend, Brian Busby. We wrestled together. We got the invitation, and we showed up to the house, and everything was going really, really smooth. Like, we were behaving. And if you know anything about, like, 18-year-old college wrestlers, there is a lot to question about their character just by association. And so we were behaving, we were having a good time, we were connecting with the pastor, and then we started playing games. And this is where it went all downhill because on the outside, we looked normal, right? We could be nice, but on the inside, we were these embarrassingly competitive people. And so we started playing this really popular game called Cranium. You may have heard of it. You may have played it before. Yeah, I don't think I've played it since we played it that day. But I, all I can remember is that we were losing this game, not just like in second place or third place, but we were in dead last out of all the groups that were playing that day. And everyone could tell that like it was no longer fun for us. Like we were arguing with each other. We were calling each other's names. We were so upset about this entire deal. But then something miraculous by God's divine grace, somehow we started like making our way back into the game to the point where nearly every team was just one move away from winning the game. And then it came down to me. I pulled the card. I had to hum a song. And we had one minute for my friend Brian to guess which song it was. And so I start off. Right? That's what he was thinking. <laughs> what on earth is that song? And I hum that song to you today so that you understand the level of miracle that took place in Oildale, California. Because as the clock sort of ticked down to the final seconds of this moment, he shouted out, over the rainbow. Right? Yeah, I know. How did he get that? We don't know. It was God's grace in his life. And so as soon as he said that, we started cheering. We started chest bumping. We were like high-fiving each other. We were like accidentally knocking over the tables in the people's house. And, and, and it was crazy because we learned a really valuable lesson in that moment. That it was possible to lose even while you were winning. It was possible to lose even while you were winning because we didn't go to that dinner party that night to win a stupid game. We went to make friends. But in the process of our celebration, we lost any potential to ever being invited back to a dinner party at the pastor's house again. And subsequently, we never got invited back. But we learned a valuable lesson. 
that it's possible to lose even while you're winning. We won the game, but we lost what really mattered most. We were trying to win friends, not win a stupid game. And I wonder how many of you have ever experienced that before in your life, where you're winning and you're losing at the same time. It's not a lot of fun, right? How many of you have ever been winning at work but losing at home? How many of you have ever been winning publicly but you're losing privately? How many of you have ever gained more social media influence with people that you don't talk to but you're losing all the connections with the people that are in your life every single day? Have you ever felt like you're winning and losing at the same time? It is miserable. And one of the things that I think may be true for some of us is that some of us are winning the wrong game and we are losing at what matters most. Some of us are winning the wrong game and we're losing at what matters most. And so today we're going to talk about how to win at what matters most, winning at what matters most. And so last week we started this series called At the Movies. This was our way of sort of dissecting the stories that our generation and our culture is telling each other. And the reason why that's so important is because you know that stories impact and influence the way that you think about who you are. Stories impact the way that we think about other people. And maybe more importantly, stories have the ability to define what we value most. I shared with you last week that like my favorite movie as a kid growing up was The Sandlot. And I tried to find my own version of every kid who was a part of that group in the Sandlot. I tried to make my summers look like the summers of Sandlot. We spent a bunch of time swimming. Kids in my group tried to fake their drowning so that they could kiss the pretty lifeguard. Right? Like we like mimicked what we saw in that movie because there was something special and wonderful about that. And it, and it really began to define and influence what we valued in our life. And so over the next few weeks, what we're doing is we're looking at these popular movies about the human experience and how these stories intersect with God's truth for the world. And so today we're looking at the movie, The Founder. It focuses on the life of a guy named Ray Kroc. You may not recognize that name, but he's associated with McDonald's. Ray Kroc was the person who had the vision to make McDonald's a global icon. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't really, I'm not a fan of McDonald's. Well, we're going to have chicken nuggets after service today with your name on us, but you're not going to get full on those things. Um, but what we cannot deny about McDonald's is that it has influence in our culture. Did you know that every single day McDonald's feeds 1% of the population of the world? Can you believe that? Huge influence. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few more video clips and we're going to learn some principles from the life and the story of Ray Kroc that intersect with God's truth for our world. The first thing that we're going to learn is that the gap doesn't define you. I want you to tap your neighbor on the shoulder, look them straight in the eye and say, hey, the gap doesn't define you. Okay. I know we have introverts because we're in Silicon Valley, a lot of engineers apparently, but go ahead and make some human interaction with each other and say the gap doesn't define you. Most of his life, Ray Kroc was a picture of a struggling salesman trying to find his break. And he, did you know that 75% of children today, you know what they want to do when they grow up? They want to be a YouTube star. 
They want to be a YouTube star. And so you can imagine a kid who's trying to break it in the YouTube industry over and over putting these videos out, trying to go viral and never gaining any traction. Well, that is almost like a modern-day version of Ray Kroc's life. He went from one business venture to another, one failed attempt at success and fame in his life to another, to the point where he got way into his... Whoa, I better restate what I'm going to say. I almost said way into his 50s. Um, But he got into his 50s. He got into his 50s. You guys can stop listening now. That's fine. And he began limping along in life because he felt like he was a failure. And when I look at this movie and the depiction of his life, it seems like the reason why Ray Kroc felt like he was a failure is because he was grading his life based on the gap between where he is and where he wanted to be. And in his mind, the greater the gap, the lower the grade. The greater the gap, the lower the grade. The further he was in his life from where he wanted to be, the more that he felt like a failure. And I wonder how many of us are grading our lives the same way. How many of you wake up in the morning and you feel like a failure because you're evaluating and valuing your life based on where you are today and the gap between where you want to be? And I just want to give you a little secret that that is a really, really bad way to evaluate your life. Because do you know what happens whenever you reach a goal? You make another one. You make another goal. And so some of the most productive and efficient people in our world have the, may potentially feel like failures their entire life because they set new goals that they'll never fully achieve. And I wonder how many of us feel like failures. How many of us are grading our lives in the same way? Some of you wake up in the morning feeling like a failure because you think you can't get your act together. Some of you in your marriage feel like you're a failure because you're still arguing about the same things that you were arguing about a decade earlier. Some of you feel like failures because you're not as far along in your career as you were hoping you would be at this point. And the reason why is because you're grading your life on how far you still have to go. And I wonder what would happen if we focused on how far we have come instead of how far we have to go. Wouldn't that change things, right? That might change your perspective on how you see yourself. If you stop trying to evaluate your life based on how far you have to go, but based on how far you've already come, you might not feel organized every day, but you're still showing up to work, aren't you? You're still making sure that the kids have had at least one meal that day, right? (laughs) Maybe they brush their teeth. Maybe they don't. All right, what's the week average? You're still paying the bills. The laundry's still getting done sometimes. It's not perfect, but it is a lot better than what it used to be. It's a win, right? It's a win. And sometimes it is identifying those small wins in our life that will shift the perspective on how we feel about ourselves, not basing it on how far we still have to go, but on how far we've come. You may still have conflict about the same things but you don't have conflict the same way, right? Because you're arguing about the same things doesn't mean that you're arguing the same way that you used to argue five years ago because now you're controlling your temper. Now you're not breaking stuff in the house. Now you're not storming out. Now you're not raising your voice. You may be arguing about the same things, but you're not arguing the same way. That's progress. 
Maybe you're not in leadership in your company yet. But you have a job. And if the people in your company saw you when you were 18 years old, they probably thought that you were headed for prison. (laughs) And so maybe you're not where you want to be, but look at how far you've come. Don't let the gap define you. And I think that's the pressure that Ray Kroc felt for a long time is that he allowed the gap between where he was and where he wanted to be to define his life, and he felt like a failure. But we're going to see that for a season, he experienced success. So what Ray Kroc eventually realized is that success was like sugar. It was this addicting quality that if you kept pursuing, you probably would never get full, but you'd just start feeling sick about life. And so he saw an opportunity when he partnered with the McDonald's brothers in the corporation to franchise these uh, restaurants, and he did this all over the world. He began purchasing real estate, and for the first time in his life, he experienced success that was in alignment with the way that he saw himself, and he felt good. And some of you can remember the first time that someone gave you a word of encouragement. Can you remember the first time that someone said something special about who you were and how that made you feel? that like they identified this unique quality about your life and maybe it was like you were at school and your teacher said that you were really smart. I personally have never had that experience. (laughs) But I did one time get selected to be in an advanced reading class in fourth grade. It was a shock to me too. I thought, oh my gosh, finally my technique for taking tests on the Scantron of doing like the blood code for Mortal Kombat, ABACABB, I finally like aligned it to where it actually got me a good grade and they put me in the advanced reading class and it was amazing. But maybe some of you have had different experiences, right? Maybe someone told you that you were an amazing athlete or maybe someone told you that you were funny or someone told you that you were strong or that you were a hard worker. When you are told these truths about who you are in the earliest developmental moments of your life, it begins to shape what you think about yourself. It begins to shape your identity. And did you know that oftentimes when you can tie the passions and the values that you have about your life today to something that someone told you when you were a child? It begins to shape and to frame who we are and what we think about ourselves. And for some people, it becomes an addiction. You keep pursuing that thing that someone first valued in you. And that's a picture of what was happening with Ray Kroc. Is he found success, but he didn't know where to stop. He found success, and it was like sugar to him. And this is what he's going to learn. That you can lose even when you're winning. Let's play that third clip. Even in the middle of winning, Ray Kroc is haunted by the fact that something is still missing. It is possible to lose even while you're winning. And there's this story in the scriptures in the Bible that reminds me of what he's going through, where you have this rich young ruler, this rich young tech executive who started a company in Silicon Valley. He's listed in the Forbes 30 under 30 list. For emerging leaders. He owned his own private estate in Los Gatos. He has a house in Malibu. He just sold his company for a billion dollars. And yet something deep inside him is still asking the question, is this all that there is? And so he's on social media and he sees that his friends are going to this event. They signed up on Everbright because this street evangelist named Jesus was coming through their town, and he's like, I'm going to go and meet this guy, and I want to have a conversation with him. 
And so this morning, we're going to look at that conversation. We'll be in the New Testament. That's the second half of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at one of the four mini biographies of Jesus' life written by a guy named Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' closest friends who recorded so many of the events that happened all throughout his ministry, and he happened to record this conversation. And it's in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 and 17, and we'll read a little, we'll skip around, but we'll have all the, all the sentences up here on the screen. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus replied, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. The rich young ruler responded, well, I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? And so Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The guy didn't want Jesus. He just wanted what Jesus could offer him, and Jesus already knew that. Have you guys ever had a conversation with someone who already knew something about who you were? And then they ask you a question to an answer they already know the answer to, or they ask you a question where they already know the answer. I hate when that happens. I feel naked, emotionally naked, around people who can see stuff in me by my behavior or my habits before I can even see it in myself. And I have this conflict every time I go to the dentist. Because what's the one question that the dentist always asked you? Asked you, do you floss? Okay, and for a while, yeah, I lied to the dentist. I would kind of put the average of my best week in the last six months, and I would tell them, yeah, I floss about three times a week. But you know what's crazy? They're so kind and they're so gracious, but they already know you don't floss three times a week because your gums are all bloody and swollen when they floss for the first time. They already know the answer to the question. And so Jesus is coming into this conversation with this guy where he already knows where his heart is at. And the guy is telling Jesus, he's saying, I want to know what it takes to get to heaven. But Jesus is saying, actually, I don't think that's really what you want to know. I think you want a little bit of Jesus, a little bit enough of what I have so that you can tack it onto your life. He's like the guy, do you ever see people wearing Jesus as my homeboy hats? Yeah. Now, I'm not downing on that because I had a lot of friends who had that. But sometimes you would wear the hat, but you would lack the behavior. You would wear the shirt, but you would lack the character. You would sort of post it on social media but when it compared to your life, and none of us are perfect, so that's not what I'm saying, but there was very little connection between the way you lived your life and what you said was true about who you are. He wanted just enough of Jesus to benefit from the good, but he didn't want enough to where he was actually going to have to change his life. I once saw an advertisement, a commercial like this weight loss pill, and it was amazing. They said, you didn't have to stop eating bad. You didn't have to start exercising. You didn't have to change your life at all. If you just took the pill, you'd reach your weight goals. That is sometimes what people want in a relationship with Jesus. But what they don't realize is that the life transformation is what unlocks the truth that we understand about who God is. It is what helps us to understand how he fulfills his promise. And so the way our lifestyle is cannot be dis disconnected from the promises that God makes to us. And so Jesus was exposing this man's heart by challenging his priorities. Jesus isn't saying that if you want to be right with God, you have to give up all your possessions, sell it all, give it all to the poor. 
But what he was doing is he was attacking this man's priorities. And he was exposing something to him that he may have not even realized himself. And that was that he cared more about his stuff than really having a relationship with God. How many of you would rather have 5 million followers on Instagram or be happy? Right? Well, this guy chose his stuff. He said, I'd rather have all of my stuff than what you're asking me to give because it's more than I'm willing to give to engage in a relationship with you. And what Jesus wanted to do is he wanted to dethrone what was this man's priority in his life. And I wonder what that is for us. Like, what are those things in our life that we're in constant pursuit of, that we have been chasing down our entire life? And I wonder if you've ever had the experience where you have dreamed of having something your entire life, and then when you got it, you realize it didn't give you what you were hoping for. Maybe for some of us, that's our marriage, right? We were convinced as soon as we found the one the right one, I would be satisfied, and I would be complete, I would be whole, we'd live this wonderful life with two dogs that didn't poop in the house and were potty trained, and two kids that also didn't poop in the house and were potty trained. And I bet you it didn't take long to get into that rhythm to realize this wasn't going to give you what you thought you needed. Maybe you thought if I just got away from people and all of their problems and I just isolated myself for a little bit so that I could kind of get centered and, and kind of live and, and, and focus on myself for a season, I would find the happiness I'm looking for. But then you realize the more you got disconnected, the more you got in your own head, the more stressed out you got, the more concerns you got, and it didn't give you what you thought you were looking for. Maybe you thought a job at the right company or dating the right person. Whatever it is, all of us have been there, right? Like we all know what it's like to think something, once we get it, is going to change what's happening in our heart. But then we realize it's not really what we're looking for. At the end of the movie, Ray Kroc calls himself the founder of a company that he did not create. He had destroyed his marriage, Along with someone else's, he had robbed the McDonald family of hundreds of millions of dollars in royalties. He was winning in business, but he was losing in what mattered most. Jesus once asked his friends in Matthew 16, verse 26, he said, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And so I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been winning at something but losing at what matters most. A few months before I moved to the Bay Area, my wife and I moved to the Bay Area to start the church, I had a really serious conversation with a friend of mine who I had known for about 15 years, I think, at the time. And he had never once asked me out to lunch in my entire life, 15 years. He had never, well, I wasn't 15 at the time, but in the time that I knew him, he had never asked me out to lunch. I don't know if he'd even like ever called me into his office to like have a conversation with me. But about a month before we moved out here, he said, hey, Daniel, let's grab lunch. And so we went to this Mexican restaurant that was amazing in Bakersfield. And, uh, and we started having this conversation. And he said, Daniel, I want to talk to you about something before you guys go off and start that church. He said, I want to share with you a little bit of my story that you may not know. He said, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma 
and I was about your age when I started my first church. And he said, I did everything I could to get that church off the ground. He said, I worked probably 80 hours a week, year after year. I worked a side job on top of that. He said, I missed most of my children's baseball games and soccer games and football games. He said, I didn't go to hardly any of their events at school, any of their recitals or their choirs. And he said, today, I have the worst relationship with my children. He says, whenever they come home on the holidays to visit, I feel like I have nothing to say to them and they have nothing to say to me. There's almost no connection there between me and my children. And he said, I just want you to know that whatever you think is going to make you successful in your ministry, if it's at the cost of your family, it's not worth it. He said, I'm telling you, as someone who has sacrificed my family for the sake of ministry. And what he was doing in that moment is he just wanted to make sure that I was going to win at the right game and not lose at what matters most. And I think for some of us, we are chasing something, right? Like we've all have some dent somewhere inside of us that has caused us to walk with a limp and maybe we feel insecure about who we are or what has happened to us as children or throughout our life, but there is some kind of insecurity that weighs every single one of us down. And sometimes that insecurity in our life will cause us to chase things that will never satisfy us. And I wonder this morning that if that's you, I know that's you, that's all of us, what if what is lacking in your life is not something, but it is someone? What if it's not something to have, but it is someone, and not like in this romantic relationship, but a person named Jesus? What if what you've been searching for are things that don't have an answer to an eternal soul? What, are they, what if they're just these finite things that you are pursuing, but they actually do not have the capacity to fulfill what your soul is longing for at its deepest level? Someone once said that there is a God-shaped hole in every human heart, and we will search for happiness in everything until we find it in him. Today, I want to give you an opportunity, if that's you this morning, if you came in searching, if you understand the pursuit of stuff, if you understand what it's like to chase something so that you'll have significance in this life, and then when you finally get it, you know that it's not what you were really looking for, I wonder if today is an opportunity for you to experience life at a different level. And maybe that begins with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it begins by taking a step of faith for the very first time. And one of the most beautiful things that I love about being in a space and an environment like this is that you may have come in dejected, depressed, discouraged about life for whatever reason, but you don't have to leave that way. Because that is the power of a community like this. That is actually the power of the message that we have. And it's not anything about us, but it's who we cling to. That where there is no hope, there can be hope. When you feel like it's over, it doesn't have to be over. When you feel like giving, it, giving up, there is strength for you that doesn't come for, from you. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. But we only experience that when we are willing to say, I can't do it on my own. 
We only experience the power of God when we say, I have tried year after year, situation after situation, relationship after relationship, and I can't figure it out. God, would you be a part of my story? God, would you help me to navigate what I for so long cannot figure out? If that's you this morning, and you've never made a decision to begin following Jesus to receive the gift that he gave with his life so that you could live in peace, I want to lead you in a really simple prayer this morning. And you can pray in your heart. You don't have to do anything else after that, but I want to give you the opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus for the very first time if that has never been a part of your story. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if this morning you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want to ask you to pray this prayer in your heart. You can repeat after me. God, today I'm not where I want to be. And I don't know how to get where I'm trying to go. I need you to help me find my purpose. I need you to help me to let go of all the things in my life that are destroying me from the inside out. This morning, I want to turn from the sin in me and around me, and I want to begin following you. To dare surrender my life to you. I invite you into this heart that needs healing, and I want to trust you with my life to transform it into something of significance. God, would you help me to follow you from this point forward? In Jesus' name, I believe. God, I thank you for every heart this morning. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that you love us enough that you would send your son to die on a cross so that he would receive the guilt and the shame that was meant for us so that we could be at peace with you. God, I pray that we would see our lives the way that you see us, that we would value ourselves the way that you value us, not some invaluable collection of cells that are just moving through time. But God, we are your masterpiece. And you created us for a purpose. God, I pray that you would help us to win at what matters most. God, to give our lives to the things that will last into eternity. I pray that for every heart today, in Jesus' name.